With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. A wild episode of the Weekside Podcast coming up. Connor Orr alongside Jenny Vrentis, and we got a lot of stuff going on. We got three weeks left in the regular season. We have a cheating scandal involving the Patriots. Imagine that. But before we get to this, um, Sports Illustrated Sports Person of the Year issue came out this week. Megan Rapino from the U.S. Women's National Team is on the cover. And I'm lucky enough that my co-host is the one who wrote the story. It's absolutely incredible. Uh, Megan gave a speech. We're recording this on uh, Tuesday, on Monday at the Sports Purchase of the Year Awards. It was excellent. Um, I encourage anybody to go see it online. And, you know, Megan was one of the first people uh, to start kneeling in her respective sport after Colin Kaepernick in the NFL and just inspired so many people, which I think Jenny's story, again, it's in the magazine this week, um, it just inspired so many people to make changes in, in their own lives and in youth sports and everywhere and so so I don't know. I wanted to talk to you first about, A, the event. Uh, it looked like it was amazing. And B, kind of what we can learn from from someone like Megan, because, you know, we cover a sport that, you know, is not as quick to accept someone, I think, um, like Rapino and, and like the kind of person she is. Thanks, Connor. I appreciate it. She was such a pleasure to interview because she's so open about everything, mm -hmm. open, honest, willing to be vulnerable. No topic is off limits with her. And she wants the world to see everything because life is, you know, good, bad, it's messy, it doesn't fit into a perfect box. And Megan triumphs because of all of that. She doesn't triumph in, in spite of all of that. And I think that's really what her power is. As you mentioned at the Sports Person event Monday night, she did what she does so many times to use her platform to talk about something other than herself. And she made an excellent point. She's the fourth unaccompanied woman to win Sports Person of the Year. So she said, am I the fourth woman to deserve this award? I don't think so. And she also called attention to the fact that SI is lacking in voices of people of color and women and that we don't amplify women's stories in the magazine as much as we could. So she basically challenged all of us, the people that were giving her the award, to be better. And that's what she does, right? She is willing to take on conversations that other people wouldn't. And um, she made the award that she was receiving about something bigger than herself and just had a lot of admiration for her in that moment. And I think representation, if we can learn one thing from Megan, it's how important representation is and how important 
bringing in different voices is. She fights for that so often, and she wants us to fight for that as well at Sports Illustrated, and we are, and we will continue to, and I think her message was a really strong one in that ballroom on Monday night. One of my favorite quotes from the story uh, about Megan was, um, you know, I think it was Julie Foudy who said that we've been socialized not to stir the pot. Um, and that's what I love about Megan is this freedom to speak her mind in a way we didn't feel we had. That, Like when I read that, that's like one of those things you stop and you read it again like two or three times. And you're just like, wow, that's like really incredible thing to say about someone that this person helps gives you that power. And it's like, you know, I, I know that you had talked to so many people for the story. And, and I'm just wondering, how do you kind of put her in the context of just the sporting world? Like what she was able to do with her platform? Is there an equivalent to that somewhere? Yeah, that's a good question. The quote you referenced was sort of helping to put into context in this timeline, because I think for a, a lot of us, especially people our age, Connor, I'm a little older than you, but um, 1999 was felt like a significant moment. Mm -hmm. And it was. Mm -hmm. And SI honored the 99th as a team. They were the sports people of the year. The team was honored that year. And it felt like this changing of the guard in the country, all this attention around women's sports. Megan Rapinoe was at that game as, as a kid, you know. And the reality is 20 years later, a lot has changed, but a lot hasn't. And mm -hmm. I think Foudy's quote kind of captured how the 99ers were absolutely a moment in time, but Megan was another moment that we needed 20 years later. And this kind of willingness to challenge um, these paradigms and to shake things up more and to say, just because we've come farther doesn't mean we've come far enough. Um, and I think a lot of people can relate to that, right? Is because so often we point to like a single representative and say, hey, well, we had a woman who running for president in 2016 and she almost won. And See, you can't claim that women still need to push for equal rights because there is. But one example doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And we, well, we had a black president. So racism isn't alive in America. Yeah. None of these things are true. So just because you have some progress doesn't mean that it's far enough. Um, and I think Megan represented that in such a powerful way this year because she was willing to point out on the biggest stage. You know, they were suing their employers for equal pay three months before. And she's criticizing FIFA at a FIFA run event for not promoting the women's game. And she took a knee in support of Colin Kaepernick to protest police brutality three years ago, but is still conflicted over the fact that she no longer kneels, even though she's found a different way to protest during the anthem. She stands silently and doesn't sing and has her hands behind her back. Um, it doesn't have her hand over her heart because it's her way of reflecting on the same things that she she uh, was uh, supporting Kaepernick in protesting three years ago. But all of these things, um, Megan is willing to say to, to, to still challenge how our, our perceptions and our viewpoints and our perspectives now and say we, we have a long way to go to achieve equality just because we have some progress and we can see some progress doesn't mean that it's enough. I love the fact that she was doing all of this and still handled the pressure uh, on the field, which shouldn't matter, right? W whatever you're doing on the field shouldn't matter if you're taking this kind of stand. But if you're playing with that kind of external pressure to, to lead your team through the World Cup and win the Most Valuable Player Award is phenomenal to me and is something that still is, like, is, is really mind-blowing to me. And you just... It, what the story really made me long for was was something like that to happen in the NFL, and I'm not diminishing at all what Colin Kaepernick has done, but unfortunately he's not employed and able to do something like this, and sometimes those two things go hand in hand, but you wish that every sport could have a Megan that could force us to think about things the way that she does, you know? One thing Megan has done is acknowledge the role that her white privilege plays in the fact that she's being celebrated as a World Cup champion who is outspoken versus Kaepernick, who is unemployed. Mm -hmm. And so I think she's really, she feels a great sense of responsibility because she feels like part of the reason that she's still able to continue on in her sport is something to do with, you know, a factor that you can't control, right? And so I think there's some discomfort there for her. But back to a point you made earlier, Connor, about when have we seen somebody perform in this way and the, the amount of pressure that she faced. When I was writing the story, I was trying to look back at previous sports people and, and see, was there somebody that faced the same kind of pressure cooker that Megan did? 
you know, Michael Phelps maybe going for eight medals was, mm-hmm. you know, or you could say the Red Sox were pushed to the brink of elimination mm-hmm. and they had this, you know, decades long title drought. But in terms of the individual pressure cooker that Megan performed in this year, it really stands alone. A, there was the hamstring injury that she missed the semifinal with. So she's going into the final, not even sure if she can sprint fully. The president is publicly challenging her. They've sued the Federation. And so their argument is stronger if they win. So for so many reasons, she faced this tremendous pressure, yet she still won the golden boot as the top goal scorer. She performed on penalty kicks, which is one of the hardest things to do in any Mm -hmm. sport. So I think uh, just seeing her performance... Uh, you know, I feel like the last few years, it feels like we almost need these counterexamples, which is kind of sad to say, hey, you can speak up for something and still be good at sports. Yep. Like, feels like we have to keep proving that. Mm-hmm. So that is another thing that Megan did. She she talked on the eve of the World Cup final about FIFA not supporting women's soccer the way that it should. And then she, you know, goes out and wins, scores the game-winning goal, or tournament-winning goal um, against the Netherlands. So... That, that you know that just is another example of the way that she uh, wasn't uh, you know she just proved a point in, in a certain way and um, you know really have a lot of respect for her. That's why it's just it's fascinating to us and to me as two people who have covered the NFL for ten years and we understand the news cycle and the magnitude of things. But to add the current state of politics of a global sport, a global organization, I mean, it's just. It's mind-blowing to me um, what she accomplished. And, you know, anyone listening to this, I just encourage you, you know, if you're on an airplane, stop by the newsstand. It's going to be right there. It's pick it up. It's a, it's a beautiful cover, too. It's so well shot and everything like that. But the story is phenomenal. Just give it five minutes. Even if you're not a soccer fan, if you listen to this podcast, I think you're going to like it. That's the str- I, I know you're going to like it. It's the strongest endorsement that I can give um, a story that I've read ever. So Well, thanks, Connor. Yeah. I appreciate it. It was, it was a nice opportunity to do something different from the NFL and to really talk to somebody that's so open about their life and wants you to see all the angles of them was really a joy, but also a responsibility because it makes sure you, you need to make sure you get it right if they're willing to share that much of themselves with you. So thank you for, for introing yeah. it. It was, it was, it also gives me something that I think I'm going to try to sneak into future shows, which is that you mentioned that, you know, in, in the story, you said that part of someone's life can be off limits, right? But Megan says, no, it's on limits. It's on limits. It's on limits. It's very on limits, it's she on said. Limits. Yeah. I love yeah. that. And in honor of Megan, uh, we're going to take a quick break here in a second, but nothing, everything is on limits uh, for the rest of the show. We have we have spying, we have subterfuge, we have orange leather pants and bowling alleys. I mean, stick with us. This is going to get crazy. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs... Yeah, like check out these hair. Pl- I mean, don't just walk around. Hey, tapping. Hey, hey, stranger. I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have to do that with everyone you meet? Some people try to act like they. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, "Look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot." Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. Though. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. 
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Hey, guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. All right, we're back. So um, this is being recorded on a Tuesday. Obviously, the stories like these can change very quickly, but we have a good deal of information, I think, at this point, um, and that is that you know the New England Patriots are again defending an accusation of illegally videotaping an opponent, uh, this time the Cincinnati Bengals. And so here's sort of the backstory of this. Last week when the Bengals were playing the Browns, uh, the New England Patriots requested a credential through Cleveland to tape one of their advanced scouts for a do-your-job television series that they were working on. Uh, but what the Cincinnati Inquirer is reporting is that a Bengals employee, and the Bengals were not aware um, of this taping that was going on, basically saw about eight minutes of the Patriots employee taping not the scout but the sideline the Bengals sideline um, you know where the coaches were and you know given all that happened during Spygate and the controversy there I mean this is obviously a very serious issue the NFL now has the tape the Patriots do not have um, a copy of the footage at least that's you know what's being reported right now so I think it's really interesting. I mean, our colleague um, Mike Rosenberg wrote a great column that I think kind of 
perfectly encapsulates how I feel about it is regardless of what happens, you ha- they have to be punished for this. I mean, you can't, the optics are severe enough that something needs to happen here. Yeah, I agree, Connor. I think that will be the outcome here. You know, the, the Patriots in a statement admitted, in addition to filming the scout, the production crew, without specific knowledge of league rules, inappropriately filmed the field from the press box. So that is the Patriots' own admission. And Belichick has distanced himself from having any involvement. He outright said at his press conference Tuesday morning, I have no involvement in this, no knowledge of it. I really don't have any idea what exactly is going on. Um, So for him, that's a pretty, rather than saying I'm not going to get into it, he's pretty clearly putting distance himself Mm -hmm. between what the production crew was doing in that moment. But the problem for the Patriots here is it's hard to see any, they don't have any way out from currently what's being reported, right? So Paul Daner, who covers the Bengals, had reported that there are eight minutes of footage from the sidelines. And so that is illegal. And so the NFL will just have will just apply the rule that that is illegal and will have grounds for punishing the Patriots. Mm-hmm. And because they don't have any, you know, they don't have any goodwill built up in this realm, <laughs> yeah. uh, there's not really any way out for them. I think it's it's hard if if it was a complete accident. I think it's hard for a coach like Belichick, who probably is starting to consider and become more concerned about his legacy and how he leaves everything behind. This is a tough thing to dig back up, as we know. This has been a sore subject of his mm-hmm. um, in years past. But it is interesting. I mean, you know, if, uh, some of the deep dives that were written about the original Spygate. Um, that was one of the Patriots' built-in excuses: was say you're doing it for a for a TV show for for the team. And you know, it's funny how you know a lot of this stuff comes full circle. But I think it's easier to imagine um, this excuse. I mean, because in 20, when, when Deflategate happened, Bill Belichick came out and not only talked about Deflategate, but talked about Spygate openly. And he said, we did this and we paid the price for it and we're never going to do it again. But here's the thing. Every other team in the league was doing it. We got caught. We got told on and that's it. We're not doing it anymore. That to me sort of leads me to believe that it would be very stupid for them to do it again, right? And and yeah. especially, you know, and I've seen a whole bunch of uh, um, conspiracy theories about why or what. Our colleague Mitch Goldish has a wonderful one. You can DM him on Twitter if you want to talk about <laughs> it with him. Um, but uh, I don't know. I, I This one just doesn't feel like the opponent the point in time during the season, I, I would just find it very hard to believe that they were specifically needed eight minutes of information on this team, you know? Right. T- to your point, for them to do it in full view of in the opponent, yeah, right? Yeah. With a representative yeah. from the opposing yeah. team right behind them. They have on record a credential rather than mm-hmm. say, hey, having this employee be somewhere else in the stadium with an iPhone camera that nobody knows about, right? It's it's in full view of what's going on. So it would be hard to imagine them being that brazen given what's happened in the past. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, your point, well, you know, the, the Bengals, uh, you're referencing... Uh, they probably don't need any extra <laughs> yeah. extra help. I, mean, yeah, I think they'll be okay. Uh, uh, I think the other issue is that because it was at the Browns and they were advanced scouting the Bengals while they were on the road, mm-hmm. the Bengals were not looped in. And yep. I think that is the other issue here is that there was, you know, there was that that link in the communication chain was missed, which l- certainly if you're the Bengals makes you feel like there's something nefarious right i mean that would be your automatic assumption if you weren't looped in ahead of time wouldn't you be slightly more mad at the browns uh, yeah you know that's that's fair right right you know because i'm walking in and i'm you know you're the home team cr- controls all this the credentials the seating all that stuff if i were them i'd be like well if you knew about it why didn't you just let us know because we're playing them next week you know it's gonna freak us out I'm a little surprised the Browns uh honored the credential request yeah <laughs> a little bit right yeah it's, uh... yeah yeah I mean, the whole thing seems odd, you know, but I I have seen do your jobs before, you know, I, you know, it is a thing that exists. It's not like it's, you know, some weird thing. 
I don't know. I mean, there's a million different ways this could go, but I think if you're the Patriots, this is an easier long-term public perception battle to win because you're saying, why would we do this again when we got caught and punished for it? That's dumb. And I think that, you know, the general public would probably lump onto the side thing, which is we don't need this to beat the Bengals. I mean, not to say anything bad about the Bengals, but we just don't need this to beat the Bengals. Yeah, to, to publicly come out and admit that you did that right that was mm-hmm. that makes sense on their part yep. to say hey this happened you know it was a mix up or a miscommunication or we didn't have direct knowledge but to come out and say yes this did happen clearly Belichick based on the fact that he talked about it you can infer that he is not happy right just mm-hmm. based on his words at his press conference so you know there's a lot of dots to connect here but from the league's perspective it could very well just be a black and white thing hey this is our rule you violated our rule and you don't have any wiggle room based on your history. Here's hoping. Imagine that, that the league sticks by a standard for once and punishes someone exactly befitting of the crime. But the last thing I'll say on it is, you know, I do feel a little like I imagine I'm going to tell like a, a, a story that is not going to seem like it makes sense right now. And, and it's it, it's I promise it's going to connect. Oh boy. So um, my dad is a basketball official, right? He's a referee. And I went with him one day to uh, do the clock, the time clock for mm-hmm. the scoreboard because they needed help. They didn't have anyone to do the time clock. I was a teenager and I wasn't paying attention. And there were like four or five times that like I seriously altered like the outcome of the first half just based on like forgetting to hit the clock. Both halves, there was a stoppage in time and I let like 30 seconds roll off the clock. And, you know, it was bad. But I wasn't competent clock operator. Yeah. But I just, I wasn't paying attention. You know, I was like, I was bored and, you know, I should have cared more, but I, at the time, I, something was going on. Maybe I don't know. Whatever, whatever was Probably going had on. Some crush or something that you were interested in <laughs> seems to be a trend. <laughs> but uh, but I could imagine like a poor, you know, whatever. Your you, this is your internship, or it's your, you know, whatever. You're a the third guy on the on the totem pole at at patriots.com and you're out here you know it's like well I gotta do a feature on an advanced scout and these guys just sit there and they write things in a little notebook and they're not gonna let me show what's in the notebook and there's only so many shots of his face I can take and so he probably just got bored and started you know right thought maybe he was doing a little extra like (laughs) hey we'll put some context at the stadium mm -hmm. here's what the guy's watching and you get called into Belichick's office and say, well, I mean, that cannot be a comfortable conversation. I think he's going to get in slightly more trouble with Bill than I did with my dad. I would say that's probably a fair (laughs) assumption, Connor. (laughs) I think so. Uh, Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, uh, well, we'll see. It's, I think it, it's not over. So yeah. And I'm sure the league will, you know, see what communications they can, you know, they'll go through the the footage, Mm -hmm. see what kind of footage, in addition to the sideline, and I'm sure they will ask to look at some communication with the production to see what uh, this the video producer's instructions were. Yeah, I think that's I think that's what's going to happen. We'll see. I don't know. It's not over though. Definitely not over. All right. Topic number two. Eli Manning made his return to the sidelines for Monday Night Football and momentarily scared the Eagles into thinking they'd get knocked out of the playoffs. He threw two touchdown passes in the first half before leading an offense that gained 29 total yards on 20 second-half plays. The Giants lost in overtime. It seems that the renaissance so many in the E-Hive were hoping for did not happen. (laughs) Wow, Connor. (laughs) E-Hive is good. How have we not landed on E-Hive before? Well, E-Hive was the um, former Giants director of player personnel, Mark Ross, in his brief foray um, as a, an attempted talking head on television, outed the e-hive. That was his term that he used publicly. I think was about to, about about like just the, the fans the people, or no, like the people in, in the, the building who are like, Team Eli. Yes, yes. Oh, so wow. I think I think that there was a there were factions. There was the non right. there was the e-hive, oh, and I there see. was the Ooh, okay. uh, and the non e-hive. I love off uh, like non. Non-threatening or discriminating office nicknames. Definitely. I think that, you know what I mean. Like right. yes. as long as it doesn't make anybody feel a certain way, like it's just like a playoff of someone's name. I think that's hilarious. Like if you're in the cafeteria, and you're like, oh, it's the E Hive over there. You yeah, know? you know, it's kind of like our obsession with or puns, Connor. <laughs> one could say. Yeah, um, I I watched this game and I thought 
in the first half that this is the kind of offense that Pat Shermer should have been calling all season long. Um, Minus his still befuddling usage of Saquon Barkley, which has been unacceptable unless they're willing to come out and say that Saquon Barkley's not healthy. I mean, but they were throwing deep. They were taking chances. They were opening up the offense a little bit. Darius Slayton was catching all these passes. You don't need, you know, the excuse for Eli Manning at the beginning of the season was that he didn't have Golden Tate, um, you know, to help them move things along. But I think um, at the end of the day, my takeaway here is I think this was a healthy experiment for the Giants because in the long run, it shows you that the key to your future does not exist in your past. And and that's not just the quarterback. That's everything that you've been trying to do to recreate something that is no longer going to work in general, you know? And I think that that was a nice way to show them that you have reached your limit with this roster building idea of a roster. It doesn't yeah. matter who you have a quarterback. You're still not doesn't going matter. to be able to win a game. Doesn't or matter. Win more, more than two games. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Uh, they're in a, they're just in a, I don't know what the right analogy is to, to explain where the Giants are, but they're just going nowhere. It's a dr- they're just totally adrift, right? Totally adrift, maybe even going backwards. Yeah, you know, I didn't I didn't get to watch much of the Monday night game because I was at the sports person event, but I did catch a glimpse here and there, and I, it seemed like um, the overtime coin toss, like the Giants seemed to be really fired up, like Saquon was really leaning in, and mm-hmm. like it seemed like they were. And then that ended quickly. <laughs> you know, it was funny because if I'm Pat Shermer and, you know, you let that get to overtime when you, when you had a few chances to not and you punted, um, you know, at certain points, what does it matter anymore? You're 2 and 10. You're not getting your job back next year. You're just not. And I don't understand this a thing where, well, if I punt and do the sensible thing that someone else is going to hire me to do this for a living, I don't think that's, I don't think it's a possibility. Why not just go crazy? Why not just call like a double reverse pass or, or like not punt at all the or just, entire or game? Or just don't punt the entire game or yeah. onside kick it yeah. nine times. Like, I don't know. I mean, why go out not? trying everything yeah i mean you've been a head coach once before this is your second go around Mm -hmm. if you lose your job after two seasons which it certainly looks like will be the case you're not going to get another chance no i mean not in the short term probably not ever so i agree why not just throw everything you got out there empty the bag why not you know i don't know i i'm i'm I, i just view it differently you know i think that you know i would put you know, I don't know, put Saquon Barkley at quarterback and run a triple option offense for, for the entire game. Eagles aren't prepared to stop that. Run it all week behind closed doors and don't invite the media to practice. I don't know. Do something like, say you could go out being a little wild, you know? But you're a true gambler. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Uh, that's true. Kudos to the Eagles, though. I mean, this is a big win for them. Obviously, keeps them very much alive. Uh, I'm sure the Cowboys are rooting for uh, a little bit of uh, Eli magic last night that they didn't get. This division is awful. They do not deserve a place in the NFC playoffs. Uh, but that said, I my one Eagles takeaway is that Carson Wentz had an excellent second half with literally one receiver. They had one healthy receiver remaining at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. Everybody else got hurt. One receiver and like three tight ends uh, and a running back named Boston. Uh, and and they he managed to lead them down the field for a game winning score. So I do think that there is a little bit of positivity there for the for the Carson Wentz hive. The if you see that GIF of the sloth where it's like barely advancing and it's like yes. struggling and like the sloth seems to be going nowhere. Yes, that is the NFC. <laughs> it really is. It and you know what's going to happen too is it, 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 obviously I mean, one of these teams has to get into the playoffs and then we're all going to pick them to get bowled over in the first game and then the Cowboys the Eagles are going to win two games oh, and they're going to get into, yeah. you know what I mean? It's That's coming. A, yep. And all of the people that have been saying, "Hey, we need a reformatting mm-hmm, of the playoff mm-hmm. and the better team should have the home game," which is a fair argument but it like is. always comes up with a, a division like often is it is the <laughs> NFC East that just sparks this conversation uh yeah you know any given sunday connor any given sunday uh speaking of well this is any given tuesday but our uh, good friend judy batista over at nfl network uh owners meetings happening right now and uh, she's reporting that um you know the league is planning a quote 
top-down review of officiating. Uh, and while that certainly does not seem great for someone like Al Riveron, who's the current head of officiating, I, I you know this is sort of an ominous report, but it's also a little bit nebulous at this point. If you're from the league perspective, I mean, it's a good time to have that out there, certainly, because every week there is some disastrous officiating decision. I thought this Sunday was particularly egregious um, in, in terms of uh, why certain things were called and why certain things were not called. You have Sean Payton back on his soapbox, even though I think he really has no reason to complain out of everybody here. But anyway, you know, so that's kind of where we are. I, I don't know what you can do to fix this right now. You and I are both huge Sky Judge proponents. Mm-hmm. I think that is ultimately the thing that fixes all these problems. But outside of just not getting rid of reviewable pass interference, I don't know what you can do right now. Right, right. The sky judge is the one thing that has been talked about that would kind of catch all of these errors. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you still have the issue of on the field, as officials are missing calls, more. it seems at a higher rate mm-hmm. than in the past. Mm-hmm. It seems like the inexperience of some of the officiating crews. We saw a lot of turnover in the last year or two, and that is showing up in the field. I do think, as you referenced at the top of this topic, that they'll have to make a decision on river on as well, because mm-hmm. it's been a very bumpy two years for officiating. And we, you know, the outcome this past spring of the reviewable pass interference, there was a lot of angst over that at the league meetings. And, you know, he was upset and then the coaches took matters into their own hands. And then people thought, okay, well they felt the league office felt steamrolled on this. And so that's why they weren't overturning things. And now all of a sudden the standard seems to be changing. I think the inconsistent application of the standard has been a big issue. It's over egregious. Multiple top. This year with the pass interference reviews last year with body weight mm-hmm. and then lowering the helmet. And then the year before with the, the catch rule, you know, with the, how much the ball, yep. could the ball move a little bit changed in the playoffs. And mm-hmm. there was no clear communication that this had in fact changed so i think there have been some issues in how things are being communicated um so i think they probably have to look at that as well i um the jets dolphins game on sunday uh if you're applying the standard that was set over the summer uh that the jets should not have won that game Right, because they got into field goal range because of a called pass interference or not non-called pass interference reviewed and got it overturned. There were muggings this season that Mm -hmm. were not overturned. This was by the letter of the law pass interference, but not up to the standard of egregious, you know, game-changing pass interference. And Brian Flores, I'm 100% with him. He stormed onto the field after, and he was looking for anyone in stripes. Like, he went after the officials. And good for him because I, I'm, I felt that frustration a little bit for him. That was ridiculous. Yeah, that was pretty beautiful. I thought, uh, we, well, we've talked about the fire a lot in Miami. And Bo I think flow. Both Bo flow. Bo? By fl- uh, never mind. Okay. Yeah. Didn't, didn't get that pun quite. Yeah. Quite I was calling him Boflo in like a, a few Slack conversations that I had because it sounded good. But then I realized literally when I said it to you that his name is Brian, you know, so it doesn't fit. You anyway. know, maybe uh, we'll workshop it a little bit, you know, workshop it a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I think the the issue for coaches is when a standard changes over the course of the season. And a lot of coaches wanted the sky judge last year or this past spring and the argument from the league office was that the sky just takes on greater importance than the rest of the crew because they have this ability to correct things from high above and we don't have enough skilled people to put in 16 roles where they kind of oversee everything in the stadiums that was their concern but if they didn't want the sky judge then they shouldn't have had another year where a rule has been inconsistently mm-hmm. applied because they're just feeding the the fo- or they're providing fodder for the coach's argument that we need this guy judged by how inconsistently the pass interference reviews have been applied. I don't see why you can't just move like our standard crew chiefs, like the guys that we know um, and we see every Sunday. Bump them up because they already have the cachet and then they're still running the crew from up there, you know, and I I get that there's going to be some logistical bumps to work out there because you want experience on the field. too. Right. Right. Obviously. Right. You know, you don't want every right. Yeah. (coughs) But at the same time, I mean, are you going to really just stand by and not utilize technology when, you know, we all have a clearer view of everything that's going on in the game than they do. And we're just ignoring it and letting us get mad about it instead of doing something to fix it. They really should have 
tried to figure out a way to make it work this past off season, but now they've had more time to figure out logistically how it could work. And I don't know. I, we've been on te- Team Sky Judge all season, Connor. Yeah, Our, I've I've one solution. Oh, pay the pay the refs more, right? Because Dean Blandino leaves, Mike Pereira leaves, right? Uh, John Perry leaves. Why? Because they're making ten times probably what they did on the field with half the stress. That's a good solution. But they all like and regularly defend officials. There is a brotherhood there. There's something enjoyable about being in that crew together. Pay them what you know. Maybe it's going to be hard to match what TV is offering. And, uh, you know, this is only four or five of these people that have been elevated to that role. But, you know, start keeping the good people, you know, start, you know, making a concerted effort because otherwise you're going to lose everybody else. And they're they're contributing to this cycle of outrage against officials. Right. You know, because they're recognizing the errors in real time. Right. Uh, That's a great suggestion, Connor. I thought you were going to say that you should run like the clock table. And I was like, well, that doesn't (laughs) fix anything based on what we've learned about your ineptitude. So and bring maybe, uh, you know, if, if something happens, I could see, you know, maybe making a run at someone like Blandino again, try to get him back in the big chair. I don't know. I mean, someone that has that cachet and right. can come back and say, I can fix this. Hold on. Uh, it was okay when I was here. And, you know, I don't know. I don't know if, what the what the move is. I, I agree. I think that will probably be something that's discussed. Yeah. I think you should read topic four because you've already indicated that you would like me to read five. Okay. Got it. Uh, there are four. Five teams with barely a sliver's chance of making the playoffs. Uh, 538, um, the uh, analytic uh, website, uh, I I define that as anyone that they have at 5% or less but is still alive. So that's Cleveland, Indianapolis, Chicago, Oakland, and Denver. And then another two teams, the Eagles and the Rams, who are starting to force their way into a pretty serious conversation. Both of them have at least a 40% chance um, of making the playoffs with their final schedules factored in there. Do you see any of these teams as a factor in the postseason, A, um, and B, do you see them as someone who could actually make some noise in the postseason and actually win some games? Well, Philadelphia of this group, has the easiest route in, I guess. Right. Because they play in the worst division. But the Rams on Sunday night looked really good. Mm -hmm. And you could see them. It's not out of bounds to say, what if the Rams win out and end up with 11 wins? Yep. Uh, You know, I I thought we saw, you know, Gurley had a good game. The defense played well. Um, You know, I thought that was a little bit more. We talked about it on the Monday morning podcast, but it was a little bit, more of what the the Rams looked like last year. Yeah. I mean, it's weird that maybe, you know, there was some speculation that they were saving Todd Gurley and sort of let him loose too late. You know, they didn't hang around enough or whatever it was. Um, but they did. I mean, this was like a renaissance performance. Uh, the offense seems to be, you know, finding open people again. And it was uh, it's night and day from a team that they looked like two or three weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. But the other ones, I'm not sure I'm really on board with any of those others making it right now, Connor. I I love the idea of like the Bears tripping in somehow or the Browns, you know, something really weird like that. You know, Cleveland and and maybe this can be a subtopic um since the fifth one was just too explosive. I couldn't get rid of it. Uh, to talk about Odell Beckham, but you know he has. Uh, there's been a lot of chatter about him in particular lately, about his unhappiness, about uh, a hernia injury that we didn't know he had. Uh, reportedly, told at least two teams in October at uh, post game handshakes to please come and get me and get me off this team. Uh, you know, but maybe this is his audition over the final three weeks to be like, hey, I'm really going to be useful for somebody next year. You should take a chance on me. When did the come get me thing start? Was it Earl Thomas saying come get me to the da- to the Cowboys? I think so. I think he popularized that, yeah. I mean, Usher, but <laughs> beyond, but you know, in, yes. fo- in football. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think I would give Earl Thomas uh credit for that. You and I might have witnessed one of the moments. Do you uh I think weren't we at a game where we saw Odell Beckham, or was that was I just at the game? I thought we might have been at MetLife together. Maybe when the, I think you were there by yourself. But I remember he was like, you know, uh, just kind of on the field afterwards. He was bringing people gifts, and he had you know different things for everybody. I don't know. It's just interesting, you know. Huh? He's always. I don't know if he'd want to come to the Jets. I don't know if that's yeah. Team I was just gonna get say. Him, you know? Probably want to come got be gotten by the Jets. My thing with him though is. 
this was going to be one of your ideal situations, right? You, yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. In in if you would have asked him in New York, where would you want to go? My guess, if he had seen the Browns as currently assembled um, from his seat in, in with the Giants, he'd be like, yeah, I want to go there. Strong arm quarterback. My best friend is a wide receiver. Yeah. My college wide receivers coach is the wide receivers coach. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, a lot of weapons on that offense. I, I just don't know what he wants anymore, right? Because right. where else would you go? You would go to New England and you know, how much longer is Tom Brady going to be the kind of guy that can give you what you want? Maybe you want to go to Seattle. Um, you know, that was another team that he reportedly said, come get me to. He wanted them to come get him. But like, I, I don't know. I, I, I think you're running out of places. You know, the grass isn't always greener. Sometimes you have to, as my neighbor uh, has painted in their window, uh, bloom where you're planted. Sometimes you have to look inward. Yeah. You have to bloom where you're planted. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, it's an interesting turn of events there there was a lot that happened post game in cleveland there was a lot that happened during the game as per our <laughs> yeah, first topic i was gonna say well. once again the really? browns are just the epicenter <laughs> unknowingly of the football universe constantly <laughs> good or bad all right connor and we'll get to news topic number five after this there's no distance too far for the perfect trip <laughs> Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From BBC Radio 4... Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. All right, Connor, topic number five. The New York Post reported this week that Le'Veon Bell missed Friday practice with the flu and Saturday activities, only to be discovered bowling later on Saturday night in a pair of orange leather pants at Boonton Lanes in Boonton, New Jersey. Is this the third strike against the high-priced <laughs> star, or is he able to do whatever he wants in his spare time <laughs> maybe when players are sick they feel they can stay in their own lane <laughs> either way discourse about bell's future has gone in the gutter <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> oh man oh, oh that was man, fun connor that was really fun that was that was excellent that was good this is i mean was this the main reason we had this as a news topic yeah 100 it's, it's kind of a, you know i don't know what to make of the story 
Boot and Lane's date night spot for me. Yeah, again, this is another flex. <laughs> I think the listeners of our show probably at this point know, but if you're new, Connor just likes to mention that he's like been this proficient dater throughout his entire life. So, of course, when Le'Veon Bell was spotted at Boonton Lane's, of course, Connor was like, yeah, this used to be a semi-regular date night spot for me. <laughs> like, what a, what a flex. Like, Hi, my name's Connor, and I go on a lot of dates. I go on a lot of dates. You know, I mean, I, he's I, married. Yeah, I go, he's going I go on a date with, with his, his wife. wife. Yeah. We need to make sure that we make that point because of a gaffe a couple episodes yeah. ago where you made some weird analogy yeah. that required some explanation. Yeah. So we want to make clear that he's going on these bowling dates with his lovely wife. Yeah, I think three weeks ago, I forget what I was comparing the situation to, but I compared it to like the the wistfulness of an affair and that you know that 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 required some cleanup on the home front sure you yeah, know, yeah absolutely did not um the, not the best way, way to go but I, I think that if you're Le'Veon Bell you're you're frustrated about this a little bit because you can't be with the team right you have the flu so they don't want you around anybody mm-hmm. that that you could get sick because their roster they only have like 40 healthy players right now anyway Mm -hmm. so they don't want you anywhere near it so i don't know i mean saturday night what are you supposed to do sit there and and think about how sorry you are that you contracted the flu i don't know yeah i don't really have a huge problem with it either connor bowling's fine yeah i mean i guess it's some kind of level of physical exertion but if they've already ruled you out for the game you can't do anything about at that point Mm -hmm. right and so he's just saying hey all right i'll just pass the time by going bowling yeah, I you know they uh, they said that there was alcohol. The report from the bowling lane said that there was alcohol in the area, but it was unclear whether he was drinking. Again, to Le'Veon Bell's defense, uh, I've I've had like a wild cold for the last two weeks, and I think the best that I've felt. And my journalism professor in college actually uh, taught me this trick. Charlotte Grimes uh, she said, "When you're feeling sick." Just a big dollop of bourbon in a cup of black tea, and that helps really expedite some of the symptoms, you know? So maybe he was just, you know, give, starve, starve a fever, feed a cold, drink a, drink a flu. Maybe that's what he was doing, you know? Yeah, and just to clarify, I believe he was listed as questionable originally for the mm. game on Friday, but mm. then he was ruled out on Saturday evening. Is that correct, Connor? That's, okay. That's, that sounds right in the timetable. That time sounds table. right, so, yeah. Yeah, he was listed as questionable on Friday after being sent home to rest, and he was team announced Saturday that Bell would not play. But, you know, if they announce that on Saturday and you say by the evening he's feeling a little bit better and feeling restless, I don't know. This is all speculation. I'm not really sure what to what to, uh, what to make of it, but I I think it was really important that we included this topic to 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 showcase your pun ability and dating ability and dating ability. But yeah, you know his future with the team. The, the bigger picture thing is there's a lot going on, right? His dissatisfaction dissatisfaction about how he's been used. Mm-hmm. He's not been the work workhorse back that he thought he would be. Mm-hmm. He changed teams, and he had a lot to prove this season after sitting out all of last season. A lot of people didn't think he got the contract that warranted his sitting out. And so he kind of went into this year already wanting to prove things. And the results have not been what he had hoped for this year to silence a lot of that. And so I think his and the fact that they they, they talked about trading him at the mm-hmm. trade deadline, it's just hard to know if he'll he'll be here beyond this season. It was tough just from the start, right? There were reports that when Mike McCagnum was fired that Le'Veon Bell was one of the reasons why, because Adam Gase didn't want him or didn't want him at that price, mm-hmm. which was, you know, one of those sticking points. But anecdotally, I mean, the times that I've watched Jets games intently he's been fine you yeah. know I mean th- you know they're not using him exactly the same way as they did in Pittsburgh where he's that dual threat so he's getting a lot more catches out of the backfield but he's still making something of nothing in that backfield you know that's been my impression from watching him too Connor mm-hmm. so I think it's just indicative of like the season that the Jets are having that there's just a lot of frustrations bubbling up all over the place and a lot of people wondering what their futures will be beyond this season which I mean, hey, happens a lot when you've got they made a GM change and this, then they'll go into Gase's second season. So it's like the roster this year wasn't constructed in the eye of the current GM or really the current head coach because he he started off paired with a different GM. Yeah. So I think everyone's kind of on edge. Um, but you know, you you pay him this contract last season and now you're saying you don't know if he's going to be here next year. That's kind of a reflection of 
why teams, why bad teams stay bad. Yeah, no, it's true. Where do you come down on bowling? You like bowling? Yeah. It's fun, right? Yeah, it's fun when I do it. I don't like seek it out very much. Bumpers or no bumpers? No bumpers. Do you use bumpers? I love bumper bowling. Uh, I don't do it anymore because I don't have a reason to ask, you know, because, <laughs> you know, it's a, a fully grown adult. You know, they'd be like, no, we're not going to put the bumpers in for you. Is that but, why you had a child? <laughs> specifically. So that you could get so the bumpers can, for the like, bowling alley? I just like it better because, you know, you waste any time in gutter balls and stuff like that. And, you know, I don't know. I think it's fun, though. I, did, I When we were both working at the Star Ledger, that was one of my big assignments every year was to cover the U.S. Open of bowling, which is at the Brunswick Lanes in North Brunswick, New Jersey. Great assignment. Amazing assignment. Also because they... We're so happy to have you there. You know, the bowling uh, PR people, uh, you know, just talk about from covering the NFL to covering bowling. Mm -hmm. NFL, you got to you got to scrap. You got to claw your way in there to get the story. Bowling, you walk in there on on like a velvet carpet and you're at a, you know, whatever, the third, 24th biggest paper in, in America. Uh, you know, you, we should be there. They're in our coverage area. But they announced uh, our arrival. Uh, it was me and um, uh, someone from the New York Times was there. And it was such a big deal for them. That they announced that we were there. Like, the Star wow. Ledger is here. And it's like, yeah, we are here. That's pretty awesome. I stayed for like four days. I had the best time. I kind of love it. I, I had a fun time at the Star Ledger covering beach volleyball one year. Ooh, that's a good one. That was a fun assignment. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to think. Favorite random? What's what was your favorite like totally rando sport that you covered there? That might have been it. Yeah, beach volleyball. I did uh, something called town beef, uh, which was a full contact, no pads football league um, that was formed in New Jersey and wow. lasted like a season. Yeah, and so we were at these like random parks, and uh, these pe- grown men would just be kind of beating each other up wow strange that it was called strange, ta- it's called town beef but uh yeah so that was that uh i'm gonna give myself as you guys know we end the show with the oracle the Ventus consensus uh, i fancy myself a little bit of a prognosticator and i'm gonna say this i got back on the horse last week with at least getting 50 percent of my prediction right which is more than I can say about any of the previous 13 or so predictions that i've made yes, on the podcast this yes. season. so we're climbing back up to relevance. I predicted that the Cowboys were going to get spanked by the Bears in prime time and that Jason Garrett was going to lose his job. He wasn't going to make it to the next week. They did get spanked by the Bears. He should have probably lost his job, but he didn't. Jerry Jones sticking by his man. Um, but that said, I'm feeling a little froggy coming into this week. I'm not going to lie. Feeling good about it. You should. You should. Yeah. You had a, it's like the high of coming off a big win. Yeah. So not gonna not gonna dispute that. Yeah. So here's here's my prediction for this week, and I'm giving myself a little bit of a leeway, which I think is good, but it's coming up. I mean, we have three weeks left until the end of the season, which means Black Monday is coming up. The coaching carousel is going to get fired up, and I think that the big buzzword this year in the coaching search is going to be prior head coaching experience. Mike McCarthy. Uh, We're going to hear a lot about guys like Mike McCarthy, maybe Mike Shanahan, uh, people who have won Super Bowls or have been to Super Bowls, Ron Rivera. I think, you know, I think that that is going to be a big thing. Uh, We saw a report on, I think it was NFL Network's Sunday morning show that Mike McCarthy had has already established like a shadow staff and they've been working on trends. Uh, and and working on how to defend all this stuff already so that he's ready to go and ready to get hired. I think that after the wave of, hey, everyone who knows Sean McVay gets hired, and that didn't really work out 100%, I think owners are going to start hedging their bets a little bit and saying, no, give me the guy who knows how to do this, who knows how to get there, and uh, and I'll work from there. I like it, Connor. It's going to be a big trend. Yeah. Well, not a big trend, but, you know, I think Rivera... McCarthy, maybe if you're really feeling crazy, Mike Shanahan. I think all those names we'll hear a little bit more, maybe more about. All right, so we'll have a verdict on this in the next couple weeks. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. All right, now we're going to get to the Ventus Consensus, my favorite part of the show, and hopefully your favorite part of the show, too. We like to end on something that I think we can all agree on every week. Jenny comes back every time with something good to close on. So what do you got this week? 
Shout out to our producer, Shelby, who pointed out a couple weeks ago on the Monday Morning Podcast, we talked about how it's a risk to wear some kind of outfit theme entering the stadium. Mm -hmm. So the Texans wore the SWAT team outfits, but it worked and they beat the Patriots. I was thinking it would go the way of the Letterman jackets a couple years ago. Yeah. But then the Texans did it again. They wore outfits from the movie Dodgeball, which I have not seen, which is a surprise to Shocking. no one. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and now, you know, they have a, a womp womp loss to the Broncos. So the consensus should be don't wear a themed outfit to the game because if you lose, it opens you up to ridicule. I think if you're a player, the move is always to bring to bring two, right? Is to is to come into into the into the building in something somber, you know, or <laughs> muted, and then you have in your bag something outrageous for a victory, and you can break out the the, the insanity on the way out um, because you're feeling good, and then you're going to go straight out after that anyway, you know, and you're looking great, um, you know. I think that's the move, right? It's not it's not to come in. It's it's the lead. Oh, I see. Right, yeah. That, that requires a, a little bit more planning and mm-hmm. effort, Connor. But I, I could see, you know. But, you know, I guess it's similar to what we started the show on, where Julie Foudy said they probably wouldn't have sued the Federation going into the World Cup, but they would have said, let's plant that flag after we win. But this year's team decided to do it beforehand and then back it up with their play. So I guess it sort of depends where you're at as a team. But, you know, I just think the risk is too high to, to go in with some choreographed outfits. I agree. I mean, you know, I, I've always felt that way. We had, um, when we played peewee football, our coach took the entire team to see Remember the Titans. Have you seen Remember the Titans? No. No? Sorry. I know you don't, I, I know it's like an ongoing bit that you haven't seen a lot of movies. I'm, I'm just, I'm a you're little just surprised. Still, you're still surprised. That Every one time I one thought comes you up. might have, oh, you know, you no. might have seen. Uh, so they, the, all the team comes, you know, the general gist yes, of the plot. Yes. Okay. So the team comes together after a camp and, and everybody's starting to, um, you know, respect each other and get along. And so their big display of solidarity coming into the first game is the dance where they, we are the Titans and they're doing like, you know, they're like uh, clapping and, you know, slapping their knee pads and doing this thing. I'm, I'm like rolling my hands like patty cake, um, you know. So that that was a whole thing, and so we saw the movie as a team, and then one of the kids on the team was like, "We we have to do this before the next game," and I said, "Absolutely not." I mean, or was know, against it a hundred percent, right? Because how crazy do you look if you just get flattened after that? And I think it's different. Like there are some teams, like I think it was Hawaii or BYU, that have like a like kind of a ceremonial thing that they do before the game. I think that's different, right? That's, that's rooted different. in tradition. That's tradition. Yeah, yeah, that is right. something that's cool, regardless of what happens on the field, and it's something that's fun to watch, and you learn about it afterwards, and you see where it comes from and all the meaning behind it. But that's different. I think that's just setting yourself up for a little bit of trouble. Yeah, know. yeah. Uh, though, you know, now I'm utter, undercutting my own consensus, but I did love the uh, when the Giants in 2007 arrived to the Super Bowl 42 in all black for the death of a perfect season. I liked that, though. I, I think that's like a rare situation, though, because it's like an end-of-the-year game. Like, we're talking about, like, regular season matchups, and you're still jockeying for position, whereas the Giants going in there was like, we're not afraid of you. I think that's different than wearing dodgeball outfits to a game against the Broncos who like, yeah, you shouldn't be afraid of the Broncos, but then they go out and stomp you. <laughs> and it was it was subtle, right? It's it's very subtle. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. Black, right. You know, you know, you had a you had to ask around to figure out the meaning behind it. You know, my favorite subtle thing that I picked up on um, once was a- after the Eagles beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl that year. Um, I was standing outside of the Patriots locker room in the big curtain opened for the player buffet you could see them get the food before they went on the bus and you know what they were all eating what they were served was fried chicken wings dead birds you know wow but she was on the other foot there damn you know? mm-hmm. that's a lot of uh lots to unpack there connor mm-hmm. yeah i don't know but that's what we always give you uh you know here on the week side podcast every wednesday and uh yeah you know I don't know, Jenny. I thought it was a it was an A plus episode this week. I thought we did pretty good. The puns were on point, which to me is the mark of a good episode. The MMQB Weekside Podcast is me, Jenny Rentis, and Connor Orr. We are produced by Shelby Royston. SI's executive producer of podcasts is Scott Brody. Ben Eagle is director of editorial projects and product. Mark Moravic is emeritus executive director of the MMQB. 
keep up with our entire lineup of podcasts five days a week by subscribing to the MMQB NFL podcast for free on Apple Podcasts. And while you're there, please do us a favor and leave us a rating and review. It really does help other people find the show, which is also available on Spotify, radio.com, Stitcher, SI.com, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast.